0: That's right,
1: Hey, church family, it's Caroline bringing you the latest happenings here on the Hill. For those visiting in person today, feel free to stop by our I'm New Wall, located in the lobby. We would love to meet you and get connected. We even have a gift for you. You received a reminder on your way in today. Our communion will now be at the end of the service. Our men's conference is happening September 29th and 30th. Uncommon will feature special speakers, worship, camping, a time for fellowship, and as always, great food. We also wanna emphasize that we want our young men involved as well. So for middle school and older, don't delay, register today. Go to our website and click on the uncommon banner. We have a Pathways session coming up on September 19th. Pathways is our way of bringing new members into our community of changed lives. We have three steps of Pathways. First step is salvation and membership. Second step is disciple making and third step is involvement and stewardship. You can sign up now on our website, shelbychristian.org. You can also stay in the know about everything going on from activities to life groups by signing up for our e-newsletter. Call our church office or email us at info@shelbychristian.org. We have more baptisms to celebrate this week. The entire Hagman family was baptized on Sunday. was baptized on Sunday, and Isaac Kramer. Pastor Dave also baptized Gary Langley in a family pond.
2: all the all the scum and the catfish and everything. (laughs) God's good, amen. Can I read this to you before we sing? And it's uh in uh, Deuteronomy five and whenever Moses came down with the I guess the Ten Commandments and, and Christ, or not Christ, but God said, I lavish my love on generation after generation after generation to those that love me and that keep my commands. Will you stand with as we sing about God's faithfulness?
3: Christ is my firm foundation The On which I stand when everything around me is shaken. This morning Till I lay my head, oh, I will see the goodness of God. All All
1: my life you have been
3: faithful.
2: worship in this place. We've seen God do so much in the midst of us. We've seen God change lives. People have been baptized in this church time and week after week. God is faithful. I've seen him change hearts on Wednesday nights in the CR. Those that are recovering from things that have held them captive, been addicted to. God's power is still Alive today, you believe that, Amen. It's Amen. gonna just continue to praise Him. Cause You're too good. You've been
3: faithful, God, and
2: I've lived stories that have proved Your faithfulness.
3: I've seen miracles, in my mind can't comprehend, and there is beauty in what I can't understand, Jesus it's you, Jesus it's you, oh I believe the wonder-working out. you're the wonder-working out. oh the miracles I've seen too good to not believe, you're the wonder-working up and you heal because you love, all the miracles we we'll see. You're too good to not believe, too good to not believe, too good to not believe. I can't resurrect a man with my
2: own hand, but just the mention of your name can raise the dead, oh,
3: all the glory to the only one again, Jesus, it's you. I've seen mental health restored, don't you tell me he can't do it, don't, don't you, tell do it. you tell me he can't do it, I've seen families reunite, I've seen prodigals return. don't you tell me he can't do it, don't you tell me he can't do it, I've seen troubled souls delivered, I've seen tell me He can't do it, don't you tell me
2: Thank you that you're here in this place, Lord, and we continue to see, Lord, you manifest your power and your presence, Lord, in our lives. We love you. We thank you, Lord, for the word that's gonna be life to us. We love you, and everyone said in Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Amen. You Amen. See you. Amen. Man, what's up, church? That's good Morning. stuff, man. That's good stuff. There's miracles. There's miracles. If you haven't felt it yourself, Trust me, you're sitting next to one or close to one uh, in your section and God is doing such good stuff, amen. I am so thankful, thankful, thankful for that. Get your Bibles out, open them up to the book of Proverbs, that's where we're going to back and forth some other places, but go ahead and get to Proverbs now, and thank you for being a flexible church, all right? Hopefully on your way in this morning you got a little card that kind of explained some changes we're making uh, with communion and baptism is I'll explain more about it at the end of the service, uh, because we think it's really going to be a, a, a special, special time and way to do this at the end the service. Um, while you're getting the Proverbs and getting ready for that, on your way out today, please stop by out there. There's a table lobby that's got a bunch of these bags, these Nino bags, all right? Uh, and there's instructions in there. Nino is the ministry in Guatemala where our own Luke Dove is the youth minister, and we work really hard to help provide Christmas uh, for the kids there every year. And you think, well, it's Christmas. It's September, Dave. Yeah. But that's Guatemala. There's transportation issues. So we spend this month trying to get stuff together, get it here by the end of September. Then we can get it to the shipping company. In Knox will get it on to Guatemala and that'll be great. So pick up one of these bags. And if you are a mom that's got a little one, a little tyke, a, a preschooler, we've got two ministries that kick back up during the school year. Uh, and so it's this week, Monday night from six to eight. Uh, is for moms that have little ones and there is no child care for that one so hopefully dad's home uh, and will and will do what he needs to do there uh, moms on that uh, are at home during the day tuesday morning's your time okay tuesday morning from 9 to 11 there is child care for that one check those things out man i i had so much fun last week we kicked off this series life hacks and uh, talking about some of those uh, the ordinary things and a clever way to use uh, to solve everyday problems. It's that collision uh, between common sense and wisdom. And I, and I shared some life hacks with you last week that, that, that kind of got things kicked off. Apparently, uh, according to Walmart, there was a run on staple removers last week. And so uh, some of you, that really like that one, went and got those. So that's cool. So here's four more life hacks for you this week. All right? First one, here's the first one. Some of you may already know this one. Uh, and that is if your, your headlights are getting all foggy and stuff like that, toothpaste, just like it cleans your teeth, it will clean your headlights, all right? So there you go. Go home this afternoon, don't take a toothbrush you use, get another one, okay? Uh, that's just, that's just a little extra wisdom there. Here's the second one, all right? Second one. And this one you're going to love. You're going to love this. You know when you get, especially at Christmas, and you got those candles that are in those tall glasses, and they burn down, and you, then you can't light them because they're all the way down in that, that thing. Spaghetti will burn like a wick. Who knew that? Now not the not the cooked spaghetti, by the way. Some of you like don't take it out of your meal. It's the dry spaghetti, all right? Dry spaghetti like the end of it and it is just like a long match. You can go down there and and light your candle. All right, here here's one I know some of you really gonna love. Some of you may have tried this, heard about it. You know when you're painting and you kind of get the extra paint off your brush and it gets on the side of the can and it makes a mess. You get a large rubber band and strap it all the way around the can and when you pull up you can pull it against that rubber band get the excess paint off you don't have any mess at all that was worth showing up today for uh if you do any painting all right and and here here to go right along with that here's the last one along with that i'm painting get get you a, a like a pool noodle a pool noodle cut it to the size of your pan, cut some creases in it, and it will hold your paintbrushes and rollers so they won't get all over the side and make a mess all over your house. Just life hacks, life hacks. You know, the more I read about these things and look at these things, you know what I keep thinking? It's like, man, why didn't I think of that? Because some, some of the things end up becoming like inventions, like that you, you could make money on. Like I'm sitting in a football game Friday night with my, my daughter and my granddaughters and they're trying to drink Coke or orange whatever out of a can. And it, it, they're like, they're not good at that. And uh, and it's making a mess. And I, and I told Evan, I said, somebody ought to invent a sipper cup top that goes on top of like a, a Coke can. And it would be crazy. And then when I told Kim that, she said, yeah, but... You're probably not supposed to be giving Coke cans to two-year-olds anyway, so, you know, you got to have the common sense part in there somewhere as well. So last week when we were talking about this, though, what we said was that the church, the church really needs to be able to adopt some life hacks, it needs to embrace some, some life hacks to be creative in spreading the gospel while remaining true to the gospel message, not changing what we teach but packaging it in such a way that is wise and makes sense to a lost and dying world that's looking for answers and so we need to have some life hacks but they need to be wisdom that works wisdom now there's a lot of wisdom in the world There's a lot of wisdom in the world. In fact, there's some there's some really wise phrases that we learn even as kids growing up. All right. In fact, I I want you to help me right now. Okay, I'm going to give the first half of the phrase and you guys finish it. Okay, a penny saved. See how wise you are. All right. The second one is this: absence makes the heart. Okay. Next one, out of sight. Now, which one is it? Because if absence makes the heart grow fonder, then out of sight can't mean out of mind. Like, you've got to pick one side. That's just my wisdom anyway, all right? Next one. Next one. God helps those who? By the way, that is not in the Bible. Just, just so you know. Just so you know. It sounds like it, you know, like maybe, the, like you'll have people say, well, you know, the Bible says that God helps those who help themselves. No, it doesn't no it doesn't in fact we're going to talk more about that in just a minute all right here's one you get life is hard there you go see the wisdom you got from being on the hill all right here's, here's another one love god love people watch him change the world let's see not all wisdom comes directly from the bible and guess what that's okay as long as it doesn't contradict the wisdom that does come from the Bible, that's where we run into problems. There are some people that think they can outthink God, and so they have these ideas and these thoughts, and people just adopt them as like, "Yeah, that sounds good, that sounds good." You know, wisdom outside of the Bible is okay as long as it doesn't contradict what God says. And so we want to compare some of the world's wisdom. To God's wisdom today and so I told you being the book of Proverbs we're going right to the very beginning all right Proverbs chapter 1 verse 1 check out what what Solomon says or the writer he writes about himself really these are the probably like these are my Proverbs these are the Proverbs of Solomon David's son king of Israel we talked about that last week right who he was all right their purpose is to teach people what wisdom And discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. Wouldn't it be great if we could all just learn to do those things? But the world throws stuff at us that seems to make sense, except that it doesn't align with Scripture. Like the world says, and from an early age, we have heard, most of, a lot of us in here have heard, only the strong survive. Only the strong survive. Now, a lot of, Charles Darwin is often quoted as the one who said, only the strong survive, and it's attached to his thesis on the origin of man and what is now modern day evolutionism. But what Charles Darwin really said was this. It is not the strongest or the most intelligent who will survive, but those who can manage change. Now, I don't disagree with that, and I don't think that goes against uh, Scripture. It's like, okay, you've got to figure out how to do life. But the people have taken Anne Frank. Anne Frank said, the weak die out and the strong will survive and will live on forever. Even John F. Kennedy said this, and I don't disagree necessarily. Only the strong, only the industrious, only the determined, only the courageous, only the visionary who determine the real nature of our struggle can possibly survive. We've got to know what we're up against. But only the strong survive? Some of you music fans probably know that a few years ago, Bruce Springsteen took an old 1968 song from a guy named Jerry Butler and used it and a bunch of other rhythm and blues songs with an, and created an album, Only the Strong Survive. So that's what the world says. The world says only the strong survive. But in the Bible, we run into this guy named Saul. Who has had a horrible, well, from a Christian perspective, of a horrible early life. He, he is not only a sinner, he is a persecutor and murderer of those who choose or chose to follow Jesus. That's who this guy is. And then he has this incredible experience on the road to Damascus. Uh, he's blinded by the light. He comes to know who Jesus is. He makes some changes in his life that then he has to adapt to one of them is he changed the name they changed the name from Saul to Paul but he has to adapt and he finds himself see Saul Saul the persecutor didn't have a lot of earthly problems because he could pay or order someone to take care of it somebody's messing with him bothering him, and it's just called the soldiers go take care of that Go take care of that. Go get it. And so it took a bunch of things. But now he's kind of living for Christ. He's living on his own. And he's got these things. And one of them he calls a thorn in the flesh. It's just like this thing that won't leave him alone. Some people think it was a disease. Some people think it was an actual person. But he has what he calls a thorn in the flesh. And he asked God three times, would you please take this Away from me. Only the strong survive, but Paul's saying, I can't survive. Take this away. And so look what he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 it says, Three different times I begged, I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said to me, My grace is all you need. Now, stop for a minute. Quit reading. Just think about it. Like you're in that situation you're in that place like thing stuff is hitting the fan you're not happy you're not comfortable you're being attacked whatever and you're like god 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 just please take it away and what you hear in your spirit not even necessarily audibly what you hear in your spirit is my grace is all you need all you're gonna do is go okay i'm good no no, not that moment, it's not that it, it, no matter if it's coming straight from God, it doesn't feel that easy to us, and it didn't feel that easy to Paul. God said, the Lord said to him, my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness, so now I am glad, Paul says this, so now, now after hearing that and watching that play out three different times, now, now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. And look what he says in the next. He said, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. In a world that says buck up and show how strong you are, Paul said, I have taken pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. He came to that point where he realized, even when it's hitting the fan and it's horrible, I just need to go out there and be weak. Well, not really. You just need to go out there and trust in Christ. Now, here's what the world says. The world would never say, go out there and be weak. The world would say, even when you're not strong, fake it till you make it. Make people believe that you never let them see you sweat, never let them see you struggle. And In fact, here's what I know. Here's what I know. I know that in the world of recovery, whatever you're recovering from, whether it's a, a, a substance addiction or gambling or whatever, just What I, I know, here's what I know. When someone's going along and they're doing pretty good, they're doing pretty good, they're doing pretty good, they're doing pretty good, when they get to the point point they say, I got this, they're in trouble. I got this are the first three words of relapse from whatever it is that god was helping you through because you see what happened suddenly you put the focus back on what you could do not what he could do i got this gets us nowhere in fact the very next series we're going to do here is called the road to recovery and we're actually going to walk through the 12 steps that were originated in aa and we're going to walk through those 12 steps because here here's what you need to know here's what you need to know They're super important for everyone, even if you've never taken a drink or used an illegal substance. Because I'm going to tell you this, and and you may not believe me until the series is over, and hopefully at that point you will, but I'm going to tell you this. Anybody that you see in life that seemingly has it all together, and you look at them and go, man, I wish I was like, they've worked the 12 steps. They may not know they've worked the 12 steps, but they've worked the 12 steps. Because I used to think, I used to think when I first started hearing about AA and knowing what it was, I used to think that the first step to recovery was admitting that you have a problem, admitting that you're an alcoholic, admitting that you're whatever. That's not the first step. A lot of people admit they've got an issue and then don't do anything about it. Step one is admitting that you are powerless to deal with your problem, whatever it is. Because admitting that you've got a problem, you, it, sometimes it's not really hard to admit it. You got 12 DUIs, you're an alcoholic. All right, I got a problem. Step one is admitting that you're powerless to deal with your problem by yourself. And it's not just, when we get to that series, and I'm going to get back on this, when we get to that series, don't think it's just about people that like drink and use drugs. We all have a serious sin addiction that we need to recover from and so we need to work through that but this idea that only the strong survive gets you into problems because you think you can be strong enough that you can be wise enough that you can figure it out on your own but get this the admission of our weakness opens the door to the power of god admitting i can't do this on my own opens the door for god to come through so the first kind of kind of comparison here is that world says only the strong survive and god says no those that trust in me are the ones that are going to do well those that trust in my strength because when you're weak i'll make you strong all right second thing the world says man this is big this is big, is somebody hurt you get even get even Let's face it, we live in a world of revenge. And it happens because we live in a badly fallen world. And after you've experienced enough or seen enough, you just want to get even. And even if you can't do it yourself, even if you can't get even yourself, even if you can't fix the stuff that you go, you, you want to kind of experience it vicariously by, by watching somebody else do it. Even if it's somebody on a TV screen or a motion picture screen, you just want to, you just got to have that feeling of, oh, I just got to see somebody getting even that makes me feel better about all this stuff. I grew up in Lexington as a kid. And my preacher when I was a little boy was a guy named Wayne Smith. A lot of y'all in this service know Wayne. He's been here. He's preached here. But Wayne was one of the best, most genuine God-honoring servants that I've ever seen. Wayne used to drive this big Cadillac. Looked like Boss Hog. But, but he would go to, there was a Kentucky Fried Chicken on the corner of Nicholsville Road and Stone Road, just a little bit from the church. He he got an agreement. He would go up there in the 70s, in the early 70s, and he would pull up there in his Cadillac, and they would bring out all the leftover chicken at night when it was over. And Wayne would take it. Wayne's the preacher of the largest church in Lexington. He'd take his big white Cadillac out to Eastland Motel. Now, I don't know if you're not from around Lexington, it's not even there anymore, but It was known as a place where alcoholics, drug addicts, and prostitutes hung out. The three went together, all right? Wayne would go out there with his Cadillac at night, giving out chicken to those people and then just trying to love on them a little bit. That's the kind of guy he was. He was a loving, caring guy. But I can remember Wayne telling about it. He'd go home on Sunday night after preaching multiple services on Sunday morning and then doing some marriage counseling or some family counseling, having a board meeting that may or may not have gotten contentious, and he'd go home and kind of drag himself in the front door finally on Sunday night, and his wife, Marge, would be sitting in the, in the chair watching Brother Stanley on the TV set, <laughs> watching Charles Stanley preach, and Wayne would come in and try to say something, shh, 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 Brother Stanley's preaching. Wayne said, after two services myself, counseling, going to board meetings, giving chicken to prostitutes and drug addicts, I didn't want to hear Charles Stanley talk about loving someone. I wanted Clint Eastwood to ask a punk if he was ready or not. That's what he wanted to see. That's what he wanted to see, because we all, we all want to get even. That's our fleshly nature. That's our fleshly nature. The Bible says, turn the other cheek, and we're like, uh-uh, they will hit me on that one too. I want to get even. I want to get even. And so that's what the world's wisdom says. But, but I want you to see what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Check this out. He said, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. You see what he's doing there? There is, there is a very strong implication or almost a promise in there that if someone needs, if you've been wrong and there needs to be revenge for that, God will take care of that. You don't need to. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge and I will pay them back, says the Lord Almighty. Let the Lord take care of your reputation. You know, we get, we get hurt really bad. Things happen, and we get to the end of life, and if we're not really careful, we say things that we don't mean, and, and we ruin our legacy. I've known great leaders and ministers that got done wrong, got done horribly wrong, but instead of walking away from it, they, they, they had to get revenge, they to get a rent, and they, they destroyed their legacy. Politicians who've lost office because they wanted to get revenge more than be a leader. Rob King, a pastor up in Cincinnati, that I quoted last week, said, "If you'll take your tiny little hands off the situation, God will be able to put His huge hands on that situation." You know, I know some very successful businessmen. Some I, 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 I interact with some guys via the internet and some things. Some guys that are like multi-million dollar like seven eight figure kind of like nine figure kind of like doing big big business deals some of them are strong god followers and they'll email me they'll text me and we'll talk about that and i was like dave the money's not worth it it's such a dog eat dog world even the people that you think are your best friend you put enough zeros behind the situation and they'll turn on you in a heartbeat They'll turn on you in a heartbeat. And I even know a church that had a young pastor that came in and started changing things and, and doing it so fast and in such a way that was really hurting people. And he actually said this. He actually said this in a meeting. That the road to success was paved with bodies. It's a pastor in a church. One of my future dreams is as I kind of ride off, is to be able to work with leaders on How to lead and transition well. How to help people as business leaders to be successful, make a lot of money, but to still serve the Lord and how to get ahead without trying to get even. Because that's the world's wisdom. The world says only the strong survive. The world says get even. The world also says that people just need to vent. (laughs) People just need to vent. Social media has opened the floodgates to venting and it made it so easy. In fact, you know what we do? We introduce our venting by saying we're about to vent. We'll introduce, somebody's going to make a really long post where they're going to just rip somebody apart and they'll start up as a, pardon me while I vent. And then boom, it's, it's a verbal vomit that's just all over everything. <laughs> it used to be that the church became the whipping post for venting because it was such an easy target what do i mean well i mean let's face it before the internet and facebook and twitter and everything else that you can do texting all that kind of stuff well you know if you needed to get something off your chest as they used to say you couldn't do it at work why if you go off at work what are you going to do you're going to lose your job right and you can't do it at home because if you do it at home, you're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your spouse, your kids, whatever. So the church just became that, okay, they can't do anything to me. They're going to be there again next Sunday. So I'm going to vomit. Now it just happens on the internet. I'm kind of thankful. Not as much of it is still some, but not as much as it used to be happens here. It's on the internet, but still it's wrong. It's wrong. Look what back in Proverbs at the end of it. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11. Look what this says. Oh, oh, oh think about this the next time before you start posting i just need to vent think about this fools vent their anger but the wise quietly hold it back you know we just want to hit send you know let me give you some wisdom it's about having the intestinal fortitude Courage, control not to hit the sin button. Wouldn't it be better if that button on your computer said this? No, 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 no. <laughs> undo, undo, don't do it, don't do it. Because sometimes, because as soon as you hit sin, what? It's out there. It's out there. Here, let me give you some advice, some wisdom. We seldom need to say the first thing that comes to our mind unless we're playing Trivial Pursuit or taking the ACT test. Both those times they say, just go with your first instinct. Other than that, we probably don't need to do it. And James is kind of the New Testament book of Wisdom proverbs is the book of wisdom we have in the old testament james is this much shorter book written by as we've said a lot this year we're talking about different series james is jesus's half brother he's the full son of joseph and mary so it makes jesus his half brother and the book of james just has it's only five chapters but it's got a bunch of little nuggets of wisdom kind of like proverbs the one thing he talks a lot about in james is about the tongue it's about the tongue in chapter one verse 19 to 20 james writes you must all be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And in verse 26, he said, if you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. In chapter three and verse two, James says, indeed, oh man, this made me feel better. Indeed, we all make many mistakes there should be a resounding whew. for if we could control our tongues we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way but we don't like people to know the dirt do we we'd all rather just keep the dirt our own and our family dirt we'd like to keep it inside you know, the, the Smiths were a proud family. They, they, had a, they had all kinds of traditions. Their ancestors had come over to America on the Mayflower. Uh, they, in their family lineage, they had senators and Wall Street wizards. And, and so the the matriarch and patriarch of the family at this time decided that they wanted to have a, le- a, a, a book written, a legacy for their children and grandchildren. And so they hired this renowned author, to write this family history, to kind of go through the genealogy and write all the great things about their family, there's only one problem. As he's going through that, he came to great-uncle George. Everybody's got one, right? A great-uncle George or a cousin Eddie. If you don't think there's one of them in your family, you're it. All right? And the problem with great-uncle George is he had been electrocuted in an electric chair. And so he's the one, he's the one black spot. And so they asked the author, when you get to that part of the book, can you, can, can you fix that somehow? He said, don't worry about it. I'm a professional. I got this. So the book is finished. The book's published. The family gets the copy of their book. They start reading. Through. They, look, they get to the Uncle George part. And here's what the author had written. Great Uncle George occupied a chair of applied electronics at an important government institution. (laughs) He was attached to his position by the strongest of ties, and his death came as a great shock. Now, some of us will do anything to cover stuff up. The challenge is, when it comes to our words, we sometimes live by the world's, but we're called to live by the thoughts of god isaiah the prophet isaiah in chapter 55 verse 8 and 9 wrote these words for speaking for god isaiah is speaking for god to the people says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts says the lord and my ways they're far beyond anything you could even understand for just as the heavens are higher than the earth so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts You ever heard the the wisdom, the phraseology? Maybe your parents, your, your grandparents, somebody taught you, take the high road. Somebody does wrong, somebody does wrong. Don't try to get even, don't take the high road. That's tough. You know why? Because the high road is not the world's road, it's God's road. And it's difficult to stay on that path because it involves forgiveness. And forgiveness is tough. We think we're better than that person that hurt us. But what we don't understand is that we kill Jesus over and over again every time we seek revenge instead of turning it over to him. Every time we seek to be strong instead of turning it over to him. When we use the wisdom of God, it will create a freedom that you can't have any other way. James, toward the end of his book about wisdom, finishes with these words. They're powerful. James chapter 3, starting verse 15 For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and even demonic. Wow. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. Now check this out. He gives some descriptive words. But the wisdom from above is first of all, pure. It's peace-loving. It's gentle at all times. It's willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it's always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Our goal this week, my prayer for y'all this week, for all of us, is that we would unselfishly not strive for our way but for God's way that we would be honest and ask ourselves am I, am, am, am I trying to be in charge am, am, am I trying to call the shots and that in the midst of our struggles with living God's way versus the world's way that we would just hear those words be still and know that I am God be patient wait on me I am so so bad at that I'm horrible at being patient and and some of you already know this full well some of you probably told me this listen do not pray for patience just work on it because you pray for it guess what's going to happen You're going to get the opportunity to exercise it. And if you haven't figured it out, you don't want to, you don't want, it's hard. I want to fix things instead of waiting on God. So my prayer is this week that we will very simply, very simply, when we're faced with those things that the world says only the strong survive, when the world says, get even, when the world says, take revenge, vent, that we'll just speak Jesus over the situation. And we'll just speak Jesus over our families, over our community. That we'll just speak the name of Jesus. We've been telling you this morning, and you got those cards, hopefully, when you came in, or if you didn't, some of you're trying to figure out why there was communion. Here's what we're going to do starting this week. The two sacraments that, that were instituted in the Bible that remain in the church today that are critically important are communion and baptism. Communion and baptism. They're the things that we need to celebrate the most for what God has done. And so, Stu and I have been talking about, as we've been playing this how can we make that the most powerful way to finish our worship service? And it seems like it would be great every week if we would leave in the power of the reminder of Christ's surrender. Because you see, this, that first sacrament, that sacrament of communion, it's all about surrender, but it's all about Christ's surrender, it's all about Christ willingly surrendering his life for our sins, for the things that we couldn't fix on our own. It's all about him surrendering to the world's way of handling business, knowing that it was really part of God's plan. And so when we take communion, and if you haven't already gotten in just a moment, we're going to pray and you're going to have an opportunity to come up and get the, get the emblems and they're double cupped and there 's there 's a cracker in the bottom cup and juice in the top cup, and when we take that piece of bread it 's a reminder that Jesus surrendered his body and it was it was torn for us that when we drink the juice it 's a reminder that he surrendered his blood for us it doesn 't go with the world 's wisdom, but it 's god 's wisdom it 's god 's wisdom and, and that then also then we 're going to have the opportunity for people to surrender we know in this service already and just in this service there's two more people that are going to be baptized today and and there may be more that come and so what we want to do starting today is i'm going to pray all right and then Stu and the praise team are going to lead us in worship and while they're leading us in worship i want everybody in the room to move everybody here's what i want you to do i want you first of all to move to your feet I want you to move to the communion stations if you haven't already done so. And so I want you to get your communion. I want you to move to give your tithes and your offerings. Um, Some of you may just need to move over to the foot of the cross and kneel at the benches over there. Just go over there and move. Move over there and just go pray. And some of you are ready to move to the baptistry to surrender those that know that they're going to do that today they're going to as soon as i start praying they're going to move they're going to go back there and get ready and we get to the end of this we're going to celebrate baptisms because that's what it's all about so if you've already made that decision you can move as soon as i start praying if you've been thinking about it, you don't know what it means here we've got that covered too bobby's going to be right down there in front of the baptistry jason's going to be here we've got people that can answer your questions for you so you move to them that way everybody's moving. No matter no, just instead of going to the station, you can go to the station first and go talk to Bobby. Make the move. Here's the only move I don't want you to make. Nobody leave. This is the most powerful time of the service. Do not disrespect people who may be coming to give their life to Jesus. And most of all, do not disrespect Jesus by saying, I gotta go I'm in a hurry there's nowhere you gotta go that can't wait this is important stuff because guys the bottom line is this God saves us in a way that the world would never agree to because God's way of saving his people is surrender surrender It was the surrender of his son followed by the surrender of his people to accept his son. God, thanks for loving us. Thanks for loving us, God, enough to give us Jesus, uh, for giving us a way out of our sin addiction, for giving us a way out of our sin debt. Thank you, Jesus, for being willing to surrender your life, to humble yourself and die the death, of a, the death of a criminal, to be a servant in that way and surrender. And God, I pray that right now as we commune together, that we'll realize that, that we're not alone, that there's a whole family of believers just right here that are communing with us. And that we'll take our mind back to what you did for us when you surrendered on the cross. And if there are people, God, who need to give their life to Jesus, that you'll help them as as we all move, that you'll encourage them, that you'll move them toward the front to talk to me, talk to Bobby, talk to, and that if today is the day that they need to make the same decision as others to be baptized, that that will happen today. And we pray all this in the powerful, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand. Bobby's down here. I'll be down here at the front. Let's all move and begin to worship through communion, and then we're going to celebrate baptism.
3: Jesus Over every heart Every mind As I know there is peace Within your presence I speak Jesus I just want To speak the name of Jesus
0: over here as these people give their life to Jesus.
3: Alright, good morning church. Um, this is Kimber, Parrott. This is my daughter. Uh, she is seven years old and she's been talking to us now for a few months about uh, being baptized. So we talked to her and she understands it is Best as I can. Uh, so today we're gonna to go ahead and get her baptized. So repeat after me. Come here. Say, I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. And I, accept him and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. Because of your confession, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. to get through this without crying (laughs) so my name is tracy this is my oldest daughter and she has wanted to renew her faith and so i'm gonna she asked me to baptize her so i'm gonna do that for her today (laughs) repeat after me jesus is christ jesus is christ the son of the living god so oh and I accept him <laughs> as my personal Lord and Savior. And I accept him as my personal Lord and Savior. For the admission, or ah, for the admission of your faith, <laughs> and admission of your sins, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Good yeah, ready? Ready.
0: Jesus families leading families parents leading kids to Jesus we've had some other folks make some decisions you'll find out about next week but man until then get out of here go love God love people watch him change the world grab some bags on your way out help those kids in Guatemala out